The James Suckling Podcast. Wine ratings, reports, interviews and more. How in the end did 220 go? Did you 200 or did you guys make any wine? And it's really, you know, it's uh, it's about um, time and intensity is really what it comes down to in regards to, you know, that smoke coming across and staying by by that vineyard. So, you know, we were very fortunate where, you know, our capabilities, we were testing lots, you know, daily, multiple lots daily coming in. And there was just a backlog of that in the local community. So, you know, we were sending lots back down to Modesto and lots, you know, through our testing facilities to be able to make sure and ensure that, you know, um, we were confident of what we were uh, fermenting. Tell me a little bit about uh, 18 then. It was one of those vintages that I felt was, uh, you know, there was a lot of apprehension, at least, you know, going into it out in the Russian River Valley. We got so much rain during the season um, and, you know, a lot of canopy growth, you know, super healthy vines as we went into the season. Um, but I remember, you know, early that summer thinking, my God, are we, you know, are we ever, are we going to start harvest like a month late? Um, it felt like this, you know, there was going to be this, you know, incredible delay. And with all of that growth, there was a lot of, a lot of work that we had to do in the vineyards just to keep things clean um, and nice and pristine. You know, the 18s, especially the Pinots for me, to really seemed like they took a while to, to kind of come together and to express themselves. Um, but they've really started to shine, um, I think, within the last, you know, call it six, six nine months or so. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm really pleased with how they're uh, unfolding and how they're evolving. I like so. how you say they're unfolding because they seem like wines. They're not completely open, but right. they have, a, they have, a, a, you know, they are starting to open now. Yeah. And how would you, how would you compare uh, 18 to 19 then? It's a different vintage. There were heat spikes. It was more normal, right? And then 19 felt like we were back on track to, you know, a normal pace. Um, yields were totally in balance. Um, and, you know, weather patterns were pretty good. You know, not a lot of crazy heat spikes. Um, you know, very little precipitation or weird weather events uh, in the midst of harvest. And it was just a very kind of clean, neat, um, you know, uh, metered type of harvest. So tell me, um, it's interesting because I've spent most of my time talking about 18 and 19. Yeah. You know, I've probably done 50 or 60 or probably 50 Zooms, but it, it's been really more focused on, uh, on uh, Napa and to a lesser extent, Sonoma. So mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about, you know, Central Coast and and the whole thing what was going on was it was it the same sort of weather patterns and or tell for, me about for, it for 2018 and 19 yeah okay 18 i heard nicole mention this it was an absolutely beautiful year more and more the coolest years uh are producing wines with the greatest amount of detail and the most finesse, especially for people who make Chardonnay and Pinot, you want that long, incredibly long growing season that's cool. It, it allows the, this is gonna, you've heard this a million times, but it's actually true. It allows the wine to maintain acidity, get the best color, um, keep the malic acids of the wines have a certain richness to them. The level of detail to 18 was spectacular. 
but for a person who really gets to lean into vintage like myself, having 18 in the context of 17, 18, and 19, 17 had that Labor Day heat wave, quite yeah. a warm vintage, very opulent wines, lovely. 18, almost the polar opposite. So cool, so long, but the level of detail was just incredibly fine. The wines weren't as opulent, they weren't as broad, but that's what makes them fun. That's what makes vintages so interesting and that's what tells the story of the place. Yeah. 19, um, again, quite a bit warmer than 18. Um, more tan to me, the quality of the tan and not just the quantity, the quality was excellent, but the quantity was also quite high. I think those are gonna, are gonna be built for the longer haul almost uniformly. So, so 19 produced wines more like 17 but but not yes. as um, opulent then yeah because you yes. had the heat, you had some heat spikes and in, in 19. yes yes we did um but it was not hot in the way the 17 was and again the 17 wines are lovely and this yeah, is sort I agree. of yeah this is what i feel is the job of the winemaker is that mother nature will give you a hand to play and then it's kind of the art of the craft on how well you play those cards and what you make out of them and uh 19 made some spectacular wines. I just think they're built for the longer haul and they're coming around a bit more slowly. I found the wines really, uh, they've always been fantastic, but maybe it was the 18, but that was really something. That was, the I love the way that. So the 2018 Crop Red was an interesting blend compared to what it's been historically. There was actually a little bit of uh, smoke damage up at Waters, which is the predominant uh, state ranch for Paul Meyer. So the tough decision was made, okay, nothing post-fire went in, uh, which actually kind of sent us in a, in a really unique direction. This, this wine has the, the highest percentage of stagecoach that uh, we've ever seen uh. in dietary red. And that's, from my perspective, that's really promising and uh, knowing that that's yeah. essential. I mean, you can definitely take a bottle of, uh, well, specifically the 2019 Jason Cabernet and lay it down for 10 or 15 years and it's yeah, probably going But I mean, it's, it's, it's looking very nice right now. And I think that's, yeah. that's really what we're going for. It'll evolve and it'll change, but hopefully in a really positive, positive way. And so are you a bigger fan of 19? or 18? 18. Uh, okay. Blue, blueberry, lavender, blackberry that you, you get uh, on a cooler vintage. So yeah. 2018, I thought kind of the sweet spot for, for me. Yeah, me too. It's a, re it's a real new benchmark for, for Napa, but it's a benchmark in the sense for winemakers too. Because I yeah. think that, um, I don't know, maybe you saw the, the panel I did of, with Napa Valley Vintners Association last week, but we were talking mm -hmm. about 18 for an hour. And it was really interesting because I really think that it made that it made a lot of winemakers realize, you, you know, that they can make wines with uh, with slightly lower alcohols and uh, more aromatics and finer tannins. And, you know, it all, it started around 2010 and 2011, but, you know, it really culminated with, um, with 18 and the wines are just you know stupendous particularly right. the ones that um show great balance like this wine or so many other ones there's not many high alcohol wines um, that's really exciting and 
and uh, yeah, you know, long, it's nice long may it last. When the vintage allows you to do that, you know, I think, I think there's, you know, sometimes you end up if your goal is to make a lower alcohol wine, you fall short in flavor and tannin and concentration. But when, you know, you're able to hit all those marks of, you know, maturity from a flavor perspective and keep that alcohol number down and in balance, that's, yeah, that's the dream. Um, 18, I love 18s too. Uh, I think 18s bring the, the density and um, charm of 16 but they just have like, like a, a little bit more finesse and, um, you know, intensity to them. So, yeah. you know, but, you know, so, I, I, I don't know if it's like those, those uh, even years. <laughs> are, do you consider yourself a white winemaker or a red winemaker? I consider myself a winemaker. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, it, it's, um, it's definitely, you know, up until 2012, um, you know, I was mainly making red wines. Um, and okay. so my, my, my white wine making, you know, journey really started down on the Central Coast. And, um, you know, ever, ever since then, it's just, you know, I, I find myself, you know, drinking a lot of Chardonnay now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but I can see your... Your Chardonnays, you know, really the particularly the benchmark, like wow, that's really something. That's and that can even go, like, you know, a lot farther. Like one thing that struck me about your wines is, oh, in eighteen, like you had the possibility to make, let's say, lower alcohol wines, but your top wines are are really high in alcohol. What, like, what, you know, that I, I don't. Nowadays, that's not really the trend. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think you have the opportunity to make lower alcohol wines in, yeah. in pretty much any vintage if you want. Um, I think where I struggle as a winemaker is just the idea of there being more water in my wine is, and, mm -hmm. and that may be a psychological hurdle for me to get over. Just having more water in my wine just somehow doesn't feel right. Um, and certainly, while I think there's some acidity in my wines that's a little more classic California and maybe more on par with his historical uh, style in the family, um, I, I think that sweetness, that generosity, that uh, ripe fruit character that you get from those higher alcohol levels uh, is certainly what appeals, you know, turns on our wine club members, uh, tasting room visitors. And, and honestly, we have, we have wine club members who have been with us for, uh, I think over 20 years. And I now make 11 different Cabernets. So the challenge there is to differentiate them, but a good chunk of those are really, so I definitely think about those wines as very focused towards a smaller set of wine drinkers. They're folks that I know, that I know our story and I feel mm -hmm. like I understand better what they enjoy in wine. And I think that's some of the things they enjoy about those really ripe wines. So like, and how did you do that? Like you just left it on the, you let, you, you just left them out there then you, like you picked later. Well, you, you, you pick later. You also, you know, 18. But I was just, yeah, it was more to 18. You could have picked any time. So you were probably one of the latest pickers up, you know, I've tasted it, everything from Harlan to, you know, continuum to Opus to, you know, I tasted like 700 wines. I didn't see one wine at 16. 
Yeah, I think you also can manage this through irrigation, quite frankly. That is more oh, okay. site dependent. But when we're talking about something like Stagecoach, it's extraordinarily thin soils, right? There's a lot of rock in those soils. Um, and in order to keep uh, sugar from going up, you really have to water pretty heavily when you're talking about drip irrigation. And so if you start to taper that back a little bit, your sugars are gonna go up a bit. Um, and so you can, you can kind of manage that just like you use drip irrigation to manage the growth of the canopy. It's something that it's not crazy precise, but it is something we can mm -hmm. control. A little harder with Cabernet because it ripens later in the season and the later in the season you get, the cooler it tends to be. Um, and so the soils tend to retain more moisture when you water, but you can manage it to some extent. And so did you, like, for example, we, I didn't taste it, but the, the Monte Rosso, did you go for that style too in 18? Yeah, I would, I would say, so Monte Rosso is a very different beast. Yeah. It, it certainly is usually quite high alcohol, but it has, um, that site produces these very low pHs. And there's something about that, that mountain tannin, That's right. uh, the quality of that tannin, the, the low pH and the level of the acidity and that sweetness you get from the alcohol that just, it's pretty magical. Um, I think that is one of the wines that is the hardest to tell how high the alcohol is in yeah. the mouth, um, honestly. In fact, yeah, well, I often have people guess um, and even professionals, you know, trade people, try to guess what the alcohol level in the Monterosso Cab or the Gnarly Vine Zinfandel. Yeah, and they're fine, yeah. usually off by a percent and a half. Yeah, I think Easy. that that's, I get the feeling that that's like uh, just intrinsic to those particular areas that, you know, the wines have traditionally been higher alcohol. So it seems yeah. more, you know, people look for that. So how much Petit Syrah is in this? This is six. Um, the 17, however, was, I think it was at 11%. So... 17, a little more drinkable, accessible wine. So it could take a little bit more of that Petit Syrah, but backed off in 18 because the cabs were a little bit denser and chunkier. I actually thought that this wine had a little bit more structure than um, the 17. Like you could feel it more, a little bit more um, firmness to it. I agree, yeah. Which I liked. Yeah, I also I, two things I liked about eighteen. I liked the the kind of chunky structural quality, and then being a, a slightly cool vintage. I think some herbal tones in some of the wines mm -hmm. totally. um, was kind of a pleasant uh, nuance. You know, as an undertone, we we California winemakers kind of get mostly brought up that green is the devil, um, herbal is the devil, and uh, we've driven it all out out of most corners, but. I, for one, like, I think one of the beauties of Cabernet is that it is so complex. It has fruit, it can have earth, it has these herbal tones, and that's part of the magic just yeah. from a flavor and aroma standpoint. That's Cabernet. You got to have a little bit of herbal or tobacco or whatever you want to call it. But that's, yeah, you yeah. don't want to burn. I, but I think that's changing a bit. I think people are getting more used to that, you know, and I think that that's exciting for, um, for Napa. And how um, it has, if the, Again, for 18, it's a big wine and also a lot of uh, tannins too. Ch like you yeah. said, chunky tannins. Is that from long macerations? 
No, I would call the macerations um, on this end the lot one, which are similar. I would call them mm -hmm. moderate. Uh, we're looking okay. at like three weeks. So not three weeks is not crazy long for Cabernet. No. And, and on top of that, these are made in our micro winery where we transfer all the berries via gravity. So you get really great berry integrity in the fermenter, which allows us to really precisely control that extraction. Um, where, where, is that, where is that winery? It's, it's here on site. So it's just, oh, okay. it's, it's at Martini, but it's, we call it cellar okay. 254. It's uh, part of it's in a separate building, but it's just where we make all of our small lot um, wines, but has some pretty enhanced capability in terms of fruit handling. Um, so really allows us to extract with precision. And what do you think of 19? What, what will 19s be like then? So I, I know you were on the 18 panel for Premier. I was actually on the yeah. 19 uh, with Lisa. Uh, it was interesting because we actually, I think across the vendors, we had pretty consistent notes on it. I almost want to say that 19 is kind of a combination of 16 and 17. Interesting. Uh, I, I find them a little less tannin than 18, but much finer tannin as well. Really, really fine tannins. Uh, I find the wines a little bit more accessible or they will be younger, more accessible. Um, but uh, they, also have a, kind of, they also have kind of a freshness and purity to them um, that I think is quite lovely, but but very different than 18. Yeah. Um, but well, you either, it was more normal. You had heat spikes. You at least like, if I look at the Jason, there's some sweet fruit there, like in the good sense, not the like residual sugar, but like ripe fruit, we should probably say. Yeah. Um, and, the 18s are a little bit more austere with tannins, but of course my pal, you know, I've been drinking European wines for 40 years or taste right. or tasting them. So I'm much more attuned to that, uh, you know, with Bordeaux and stuff like that. So I really, that's one reason I really liked the 18. But I think in general, now when I talk to winemakers from Napa, a lot more winemakers are talking about tannins and less about fruit. And so that's a real tra trend. It's like I, people your age, men and women your age or younger. And they're, and that's really a change in the way people think about wines in Napa. And also one thing, you know, uh, for better, some wines I like better. I told you the ones I really liked and some concerns I had with some wines, but also the wines, always they all have a, a in general, there's real transparency to the wines. You know, they're really not really, um, they're really clean and super clear in what they are. And obviously some winemakers, winemakers have different ideas on how they want to um, communicate or make the wines, you know, just like different artists. But um, in the end, you, the wines have clarity and you have some amazing um, sources of grapes and you know that comes through, so. Yep, we think so too. Thanks guys. Thanks you, buddy. Okay, ciao, bye-bye. Adios.